Welcome to the Assistant to the Regional Podcast. Each week, your hosts, Chris and James, will discuss everyone's favorite TV show, The Office, from the point of view of a salesperson. Join them as they break down each episode, highlighting the laughs, lessons, and sharing sales stories along the way. This is Assistant to the Regional Podcast. Here are your hosts, Chris and James. Good afternoon, Chris. How are you doing? Fantastic. I'm doing good. You're doing good. I want to welcome everybody to episode three of Assistant to the Regional podcast. You know, today we're going to talk a little bit about how Dwight goes authority crazy. Dwight gets to choose the health plan for everyone. Power quickly goes to his head, which infuriates everyone. So we're going to talk about the power dynamic between him and Jim and the other coworkers, as well as what Michael's up to as a boss. Kind of on the side <laughs> as all of this other stuff is happening. I think that's the best way to kick it off. You know, Michael asks Jim to pick the healthcare plan because he doesn't want the responsibility that corporate gave him. And Jim punted and said, I've got to focus on my sales. All of a sudden, Jim is this model sales rep that's focused on hitting the phones and doing a sales thing, which by this point, even just three episodes in, we know is not true. He knows that's the only excuse he can give Michael to get out of the work. Michael's an ex-sales guy. He's never going to say no to that. Smart, Jim. But at the same time, right after that, in Jim's confessional, right now, this is just a job. And if this were my career, I'd have to throw myself in front of a train. That says it all, really. This could be like the effects of losing that big commission. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you lose 25% of your commission, especially the way that it happened, ugh, I understand. I think we've all probably been there, right? Where let's be honest, not every sales job we've ever had has been the one that we feel like I want to do this forever. I could do this forever. So we'll give Jim the benefit of the doubt given what happened in episode two, but makes it even clearer that he's not not doing the healthcare thing because he wants to focus on sales. He just He's trying to punt it and using sales as the convenient excuse. We've learned so far in three episodes that Jim has been at Dunder Mifflin for seven years, Mm -hmm. which I think is a career. Absolutely. Even in this era where when it was happening, seven years. That's your job. Yeah. At year seven, you need to start focusing on, dare I say, personal branding. Please, Jim, start thinking about the future. I mean, I would say it's just complacency. It's obvious he's just found a place where the bar is so low that all he has to do is make sure that Michael's happy. He's stroking Michael's ego. He's closing these easy deals, these low-hanging fruit, and kind of coast through. I mean, I get it. I understand. But Jim's real complacent right now. Yeah, it is super obvious. I think we've all been there. Like you said, not every day in sales is the best day. By any means. (laughs) What's funny is Michael immediately turns around and goes right back into delegation mode. Yep. And he picks Dwight. And he should have picked Dwight from the start. I don't know why he went to Jim at all. Dwight is searching and striving for that duty. But Michael also likes Jim. And that's probably why Jim's been able to stick around. Maybe Michael's trying to throw him a bone. Yeah, who knows? But Dwight immediately says yes. My favorite part is he goes straight for the ask. His ask is for an office and the ability to fire people. Dwight really wants to be in power. So bad. Firing people isn't always the only answer. Well, I feel like he's a totalitarian view on power. He wants to 
take the power and then immediately start asserting it. And he thinks that the best way to assert his power is to fire. And you have to think three episodes in, knowing what we know about his relationship with Jim, that he's already thinking about Jim being one of the first people that he wants to fire. I have to believe that. Dwight just doesn't seem to think through like the workload part of letting someone go. I mean, he can't do it all by himself. He wants to think he can. That's just where we're at. So Dwight immediately asks for an office and the ability to fire people. Uh, Michael says he can use the conference room. I think what's funny is right after Dwight leaves, Michael says, if he succeeds, good for me. Nobody will be prouder than I am. Made him what he is today. <laughs> so let's unpack that just a little bit from a management perspective. Like that one kind of dug deep into my heart. Mm. I feel like we've heard that from our own bosses. Yeah. Unpack that a little bit. Like, what do you mean? I feel like everyone can relate to a boss who is eager to take credit. Yeah. This is one of the most cringeworthy moments of this episode for Michael with me because we know from what we've seen how he really treats Dwight. And we know that he's given him this opportunity because he just doesn't want to do it. It's not that he's given this opportunity to Dwight. You know, he thinks this will be a strategic project that Dwight can work on. And if he succeeds, it'll be good for his career. And then he can really be proud of him. No, he's not setting people up for success here. He's just, you know, trying to do as little work as possible and reap all of the rewards. And and we've all experienced those type of sales leaders that show up in the last minute, put their arm around you and say, great job and take that picture with you, you know? Yeah. And they're, and they're there and they're giving you the peace sign. It's just the picture from their five minute visit. And then they were gone again. Yeah. I've been reached out to before by people who are asking similar questions to what you just described. Should I take on more work outside of the scope of my requirements? Because I think it'll help me advance my career or I'm being told while we are not going to compensate you differently for this additional workload, you know, this will look good or this will make you a better employee. Should I become assistant to the regional, essentially? Right. And, you know, <laughs> is sales development team leads. Anything with lead, in my experience, in some form or fashion, you're being stretched without being compensated. SDR team lead. Nothing against any of the SDR team leads out there right now. Love you, all of you. You're doing fantastic work and you're doing what needs to be done. I took like a similar role like that. It was like a store lead where I was a manager of a store when I sold cell phones and they paid me zip zero more. And it was such a bad deal for me. It was, it was hilariously a bad deal, you know? So it's, it's a reality of the game you have to play, but it's completely the same thing as Dwight's creation of assistant to the regional. And then his taking on of this extra responsibility and immediately trying to, you know, virtue signal it, I guess, by like, I have my office, I have authority, all of this sacrifice and stuff that I put up with from Michael is worth it now. I've got something to show for it. It's, it's tangible. So yeah, we'll yeah. get back on track. But I went down that path. I actually think the funniest part, my first taste of team lead, it was basically, I'm going to give you more responsibility. But the only responsibility I didn't have was firing people. I was like the opposite of Dwight. I was like, this is perfect. I can interview. I can hire. I can train. I don't have to be the bad guy. If you're in trouble and you need to be let go, talk to the other person. Go next door. I guess me and Dwight are yin and yang here. <laughs> Michael says, if Dwight succeeds, you know, good for me. Nobody will be prouder of him than I am. He also says, if he fails, that's strike two. He's already setting him up for 
a failure almost by saying, hey, I know I volunteered you to do this task. If you do bad, I am going to hold it against you, which goes kind of against what we were talking about. Like if you're trying to improve someone's career or grow the visibility of that person's status, like within the organization, putting them up to a task that could tarnish their status. Yeah. And Michael's off on this. Michael's, he's going to continue to be off all the time. He's hiding in his office, pretending to be busy. I feel like we've all worked for someone, whether it's a coworker or a boss who's just unable to be contacted, right? No matter. Never picks up, phone tagging all the time. Can't seem to get on a good text rhythm. You know, it's like 45 minutes between texts and then they send like seven at a time, all the information you need and you didn't see it and you need one more question asked from your VP and then they're gone for another hour and a half. I think that this is interesting in a work environment like Michael's hiding in his office. I think it's different in... 2020 and beyond with the remote nature of the world, right? I feel like you do kind of have to always be present and on or at least alert your immediate team. I know some people do like out of offices, even when they're working. Yeah, just for short periods of time. I mean, I'm a big fan of the whole shared calendar. I think that's huge. Being able to just open it up, everything is visible. You just see what everybody has going on. That's That to me solves that problem when you're remote. I can't stand people who calendars private private like what are you doing your whites would be private dwight's calendar would definitely be private he wouldn't want anyone to know it's no one's business what his business is yeah you just need to know he's doing it so as we continue through the episode obviously dwight's off on his little healthcare mission michael realizes that dwight is not a good fit for this responsibility dwight makes a bad decision cuts everyone's health care Michael blames him and he did what he was asked with the information he was given and he was ultimately set up to fail. Did what he was asked to the best of his ability of what he thought was the right thing to do. He's obviously making horrible decisions for all of his coworkers and says ridiculous things to them about never being sick and all of these things. But really, it's classic Michael where you put somebody that's completely mismatched EQ-wise to a task. He really was on point with Jim. That was the best decision. And this is kind of an interesting aspect, maybe. You know, here comes Michael asking Jim to do something extra outside of sales on the back of Jim losing a sale from being distracted by non-sales activities. And now he's coming to Jim and asking for more of that kind of thing. Jim's lying and saying that he's selling. And so he's not doing it. That's all just kind of on Michael, right? Because if he was motivating Jim the right way the whole time, Jim would be open. Yeah, I'll help you out, Michael. Sure. Everything would be different. It would be a different universe would be a different show. That's where it starts. Starts and stops with Michael. My willingness to assist others being based on what's going on in my pipeline, right? Like that's essentially how I view Jim. Jim's willingness to help or not help could be completely revolving around his numbers. What's that quota looking like right now? And how relatable is that? This is a real thing. Gets into the real dynamics. If you have a sales team that's been together for say one or two years, you know, and they've gone through making quota, missing quota, all of that stuff, attrition, and that you've got that core group there and people start to, you know, they settle in those initial kind of layers start to wear thin and you've got somebody like Jim who's seven years in. It's an interesting dynamic for sure. What happens after Michael blames uh, Dwight is he kind of lies to everyone and says that he's going to get them a 
afternoon surprise. He does say he doesn't know what it is. I got to feel like I've been around some people who have come up with spiffs or contests, but it was almost like they wanted to gauge our feedback to the idea before they told us. Yeah. Yeah. Just to kind of test the waters. Would you guys like it if we ran a spiff? More money than you normally make, but I'm not sure if you want that. You know, this is probably, as far as we've gotten, might be the most sales guy thing that Michael's done, right? Because he's put himself into this bad spot. He's mismanaged the situation. Everybody's upset. And the only way that he kind of instinctively knows how to get himself out of it is by over-promising and just making a wild promise of a better future. And he has no clue how he's going to get there. And he now has to scramble and figure it out. How many times as a salesperson have you been in a situation where you're like, everybody's mad. Okay, you know what? We're going to make that happen. Yep. We're going to do it. The team's going to get on it and it's going to be there for you when you need it. You immediately hang up that phone and you're like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? Why am I over-promising? I'm never going to be able to deliver. It's the most sales guy thing that Michael's done so far, in my opinion. If this is Michael's ace in the hole, Ugh. we're very lucky that he sells paper and not like software. Ah, oh, man. Because if he sold software that would catch up to him. There's not really much paper you can overpromise on. You know, he's also doing it internally, right? He's shooting himself in the foot here because he's doing this to his own team. It goes back to the recurring theme, which is Michael wants to be loved. He says right after he lies about the surprise, it doesn't matter what it is because, quote, they will think my boss really cares about me. He has a surprise for me. He's so cool. What a great guy. I love him. He's literally saying those words out loud as if they're saying them and nobody that works there has ever uttered those words. Goes right back to the world's best boss mug. The delusional sensibility that Michael has about the adoration that his team has for him. And what's scary about it is it seems to be like a large part of what fuels him is this imagined adoration that he believes everybody has for him and that he continues to try and cultivate through this ridiculous over-promising of a special event. I think we'll keep unraveling Michael's love issues. I would question to you, is this something that maybe I'm missing in terms of salespeople have an inherent desire to be loved? I would say absolutely. What's ironic is I would argue that anybody that says no is lying. As I said that, I imagine four or five salespeople that I've worked with that would immediately be like, no way. I don't care. They really do. I promise they're lying. <laughs> I thought of someone too. And it would be this person saying, you know, I don't care what anyone thinks about me. All I care about is the money. Mm -hmm. But I think at the end of the day, they love the attention they get if they bring in the big deal. Yeah. And why do you love the money? You know, you love what you're able to acquire with the money. That motivation is there somewhere. And I think it's a human motivation, but especially for sales. I think that's an interesting call out. And I've actually never heard that really brought up. We hear the same like six characteristics that are brought up all the time. Extrovert, aggressive, hunter mentality. You know, it's like, ugh, the need to be loved is so real. And it's very spot on for Michael. Top qualities will definitely start including a desire to be loved. I think Michael just wants that adoration from his team and he's willing to do whatever he can to get it, even if it's on his own dime, which I will say is something that you don't run into very often. Everything's got to be expensed. Most sales leaders won't do things they can't expense. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It's not expected of him. I'd say Michael's a unique sales leader in the fact that 
He really wants to be adored, you know, so he's willing to come out of pocket a little bit to make things happen. And, you know, what's interesting is the things that he tries to set up. He starts out thinking, let's take a trip to Atlantic City. To me, almost like a classic sales guy idea of a of a good, wholesome, all-inclusive team outing. Let's go to Atlantic City. And then, you know, what follows? To touch on that, the Atlantic City thing. I mean, Atlantic City is what? It's like the Vegas of the East Coast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've been to far too many events and sales kickoffs in Las Vegas. And every time, without fail, someone gets fired. It's absolutely a recipe for bad things happening. If this were to actually happen, nothing good comes from taking a group like that led by Michael to a place like Atlantic City. So his second idea is he goes to, is with a coal mine. He went from Atlantic City to coal mine (laughs) so fast. So it's essentially a historic coal mine elevator shaft. Now, my favorite thing is he says, well, does it have a free fall? Which is so amazing. The response of the guy on the other end of the phone is <laughs> he's just like, it's an industrial coal mine elevator. I don't know what else to tell you, man. It's so great because Michael is at the point where he is stretching. He's looking, I mean, does it have a free fall? What do we got? What can I work with? Anything he can grasp on do to sell and spin to his team to make it seem like he's the best boss. I'm going to make a call out. We're going to take a look into the future. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try to not do this very often, but parallel in a future, future, future episode when Andy takes them to Gettysburg. Mm. See, Andy didn't try to find anything fun about Gettysburg. He just made them do something they didn't want to do. Michael is at least trying to find a way to sell the idea of any team outing. I think the best part is, is after the question that you just talked about, where he questions whether or not it has some sort of free fall, you know, he asks, well, do you at least have laser tag when you get to the box? (laughs) Almost as if like, come on, you should. Why is this not a thing? Help me out here. That's a great call out. And Michael, he's almost getting it right all the time. He's just slightly off. He's got the right motivation if you get, but it's just slightly too selfish and then he's got the right kind of passion but it's just slightly misguided you know he knows that he wants to and needs to provide this kind of crazy experience and at this point is just grasping for straws have you ever had a strange company outing that maybe didn't align to what the team wanted to do or what the reasoning behind the outing was i have a really good one and mine's pretty short. So it wasn't necessarily an outing. It was like a regional meeting where I worked in retail sales, wireless retail sales, and all of the stores in the area were kind of meeting together. And it was like two hours away from where I live. And so I got into a car with a bunch of my coworkers and we're all driving. So it's a completely kind of cool new experience. So we're all okay with it. We're not excited about it, but we're all okay with it. Something new, something different. We get to the Golden Corral where it's being held. And quickly realize that it's being held at a golden corral. None of us really thought about that and how weird it would be. And so we were all sitting in this big conference room in the golden corral. And the big to-do was going to be, you know, the CEO of the company making an appearance to like motivate us and get us through the quarter. And he's like 45 minutes late, comes in eating a donut with half of his shirt hanging out. It was just the most unimpressive display of leadership and motivation that any of us had ever seen. And it immediately became 
a horrible outing. Like if it had been a good, inspiring talk and he had been on time and all of those things, it would have been fine. But suddenly it went from being this cool regional meeting to get motivated to having to drive two and a half hours to eat at a Golden Corral with people that I really would rather not be hanging out with and see way too much anyway. It was an interesting experience because it was so bad and the drive home was so horrible that I wish he had been a little bit more like Michael and thought a little bit more about what would have actually made us happy. I think what's the most impressive about that story is he somehow found a way to be the least motivating person at the Golden Corral. Oh, by a long shot. And the best part was... He thought it was great. He was under the impression that it was a fantastic time. Well, for those of you who, who are listening who might not be blessed enough to have a Golden Corral near you, <laughs> Golden Corral, where James and his team had to go for a team outing, is a buffet. The buffet of buffets, where there's chocolate fountains, Chinese food, and salad all right next to each other. I think that's amazing because now every time I drive by a Golden Corral, I'm going to have this thought in my mind. Oh, and we all had to wear our uniforms too, you know, like our button-up uncomfortable uniforms. So yeah, that mental picture. I just didn't know that they had conference rooms. I want to actually schedule a meeting there now. It's real. It's possible. Almost for the irony. Like, what if you had an, you know, when all this pandemic is over, you have your next big customer meeting at the Golden Corral instead of, you know, wherever right? Like Las Vegas, like just the local Golden Corral and just put on an incredibly impressive SaaS sales, like motivational seminar right inside of the freaking Golden Corral and bring in just rock star people to just motivate a group of hungry <laughs> SaaS sales professionals. I think we just came up with the first assistant to the regional... <laughs> Get get together. Yep. The first assistant to the regional conference. Yep, that's it. So I think that's an amazing story. It's this talking out both sides of their mouth thing that Michael suffers from all the time. You know, it's this weird thing. And it's like when you're a kid, these things you always worry about it that happen. Like when I become adult, I'll just automatically forget how to do XYZ. It's like when I become a sales manager, well, I'll automatically start talking out both sides of my mouth. <laughs> you know, it just seems like this weird thing. And it comes out because with the way that Michael's handled this situation, deferring responsibility the whole time, only trying to step in when it looks good, trying to solve it by making outrageous promises, all of these things, you know, it really boils down to this desire that Dwight has that marries so well with Michael's desire. They actually are perfect for each other and they fuel each other. Michael knows Dwight wants to move up in the company. Dwight wants to be called assistant regional manager, but Michael knows he can dangle that carrot of assistant to the regional and get him to do stuff like he got him to do today, you know, and Dwight goes on these crazy power trips. And I think that's something we don't know at this point is we don't know how long that carrot's been dangled, how long Michael's been holding over Dwight's head this illusionary made up position, which we find out is made up. <clears throat> right. So I think it's important to note Michael comes back. He brings back ice cream sandwiches. Which <laughs> That's what it ends up being. <laughs> I love this. I had a boss who did this in the summer months. He would send out a company-wide email. The subject line was ice cream in the freezer. Help yourself. Great leader. So I relate to that. Michael got the ice cream sandwich. Ryan kind of put the cherry on top by 
complaining that he didn't get the kind with the cookies. So plus one for Ryan, understanding that the cookie ice cream sandwich is superior to the chocolate ice cream sandwich. It shows that Michael didn't even try to please any of them. He just made up what he wanted. As we kind of hit the tail end of the episode, you know, Dwight calls Jan and Jan says, I don't even know who you are. Reality check for Dwight. It is always strange, especially when you work in a large organization, because most of the time what you're working on, the people you're working on it with, you're so involved and so intertwined with each other. And so, you know, everybody knows you in your immediate circle that you deal with every day. But then when you, for whatever reason, kind of step outside of that circle and you realize, oh yeah, 75% of the company doesn't even know who I am or know what I do. You know, I worked for an international company, a global company. The majority of the company was actually in India and different parts of Europe. So it was a strange experience to not only not be known, but be kind of seen as like the secondary arm of the company in the States. We always kind of found things out after everybody else. And yeah, so Dwight got that wake up call for sure. (laughs) The only thing about this that's a little bit not canon to the storyline that Mm -hmm. we've been fed so far is if Dwight is such a good salesperson, wouldn't Michael's boss know? That's a good point. I'm sure she's heard his name here and there, Dwight, right? If he's top salesman, those kind of things. But a large part of me has to believe that the way that Michael crafts the story of how well his branch is doing is all filtered through the Michael filter, right? Which probably puts most of the onus on his on himself, right? Oh, well, you know, the, these deals closed. I did this, I did this, I did this. So who knows how much credit Dwight's gotten to date? And, you know, Jan is also, from what we've seen, you know, not just a VP of sales, but she's not just overseeing one department. She's got to make sure the whole thing's running. So lots of moving pieces, lots of different people. I'm sure she would maybe be able to put two and two together if she saw Dwight in the office. Oh yeah, that's the best sales guy. But calling out of the blue, especially with the tone that Dwight calls and like kind of expecting to be known and have his requests granted. I have two thoughts on that. One, she says, this is my cell phone. Please don't ever call this number again. So the thought on that is how far we've come in reality, where now you go online and almost everybody will say, if you have the cell, dial the cell. That's the way it goes. I have my prospects. And if I don't have their cell phone number, am I really even in a sales cycle with them? It's a new time. I would say the second thing that... I found interesting is the tone of authority, right? Mm -hmm. We are kind of trained to have that thought, to have that emphasis on you are expecting my call. What I love about this particular interaction outside of Dwight getting told, you know, and kind of putting his places, Dwight's not afraid to pick up the phone, make that call, make it happen. If we're pulling out sales tips, Dwight's indicating by doing this that he understands the power of the phone, right? You can pick up the phone if you really want it. You know, he's not sending an email here, folks. He's picking up the phone to get something done. Dear Jan, I hope this message finds you well. (laughs) Can I please have the authority to fire Jim? No, he picks up the phone because he knows that business happens via the phone. Jan lets Dwight know right away, you're not the manager of anything. So we know right now, three episodes in, his title isn't real. It's something that Michael made up to improve Dwight's ego. You know, it's the team lead uh, syndrome. That's all. Michael's identification that I can get a lot more. In Dwight's case, I can get a lot more out of somebody by playing this game. 
pumping up the title. To me, I think the big takeaway from this episode is Michael's behavior regarding the hard work, right? The hard thing about hard things. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to do them. He wants to be the fun guy. He wants people to love him. Dwight thinks that he is ready for the responsibility, but the first chance he gets, he calls his superior to try and remove people who are roadblocks. Yeah, and we have Jim existing, continuing to be complacent and stay out of the way, getting involved when he has to, being roped in by default. But ultimately, you know, this is a really an episode about what happens when sales leaders get a little bit too selfish, right? When it's, they're thinking too much about their own adoration and their, the things that they're looking for out of leading teams. The things that happen with titles, arbitrary titles, whether they mean something, whether they're real. And then ultimately, the fact that at the end of the day, no matter if Dwight has an inflated title, his office is in the conference room, whatever's going on, Jan, who's running the show, is going to look at Michael. He's the leader of everybody. You know, he's ultimately accountable. Um, however, unaware of that, he still remains. You know, I mean, I think at this point for episode three, Michael's still very much, interestingly enough, kind of unaware of the actual power that he has and is trying to play with this power that he thinks he has and maintain this kind of fragile state of keeping everybody in love with him. I think that's a great way to kind of wrap this up. So, James, I want to thank you for your time today. Chris, I had a fantastic time. You know, this one was interesting. We, again, managed to find a lot of things to talk about that really had nothing to do with healthcare. Right. We definitely advocate for good healthcare plans. We don't want people like Dwight picking your healthcare plan, but we're just not qualified we're not, to- Yeah, we're not healthcare that. guys. We're a couple of sales guys that love the office and like talking about it. So thanks everybody for listening to episode three. I'm Chris. I'm James. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Assistant to the Regional Podcast, the world's number one podcast about the office focused on Dunder Mifflin from the point of view of a salesperson as voted by Stapler and Jello Magazine. If you enjoyed the Assistant to the Regional Podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and tell a friend on social media. Hope to see you next episode.